Good morning. Uh, worship practice a while back, uh, Christine, I had shared a praise with the team, and uh, Christina had asked me to share a little about that with you today, and now knowing the, the series and how it tied in, I'm glad she did. Um, so my background, just a little about me briefly, is I have a sales and marketing background with companies of three employees to 55,000 or more, and so over 15 years I've gone through cycles of putting my faith and trust in my abilities or the company or management or whoever to advance my career or income potential. So knowing how to trust God 100% in an environment or culture that promotes self-reliance, determination, uh, these things have been a challenge for me. So I started asking God, how can I have peace and confidence while putting 100% of my trust in him alone? And several verses uh, jumped out at me, and I started to jot them down. Colossians 3.23 says, uh, willing, uh, Work willingly at whatever you do as though you're working for the Lord rather than for people. I thought, okay, my motives could be a little out of whack here. And I, shortly after, I'm reading uh, God's warning to the Jewish leaders in Isaiah 31. It says, What sorrow awaits those who look to Egypt for help, trusting in their horses, chariots, charioteers, and depending on the strength of human armies. Instead of looking to the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. So that was a big eye-opener for me as I read that. And, uh, but I was still wondering, you know, practically speaking, you know, how, this, you know, how, to, how to trust in the Lord. Um, so I continued to ask this question literally every day. And God spoke in places I wasn't expecting. Um, book of the Bible, Lamentations, you know, 337, it says, Who is there who speaks and it happens unless the Lord ordained it? Proverbs 21.31, I read, The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. So these really started to get me thinking. And then, not just in Bible reading, but even as recently as this Friday, I had a client of mine sending me some sales prospecting ideas, and we had talked a little about this in the past. And But this is the end of his email. Pray specifically for guidance regarding this email. And like, okay. Keep it at your daily devotions. Pray specifically for God to guide you to any possible potential prospects. So I'm having this stuff come at me very recently even. So when I really think, you know, stop and think about God being in control of all things, it wasn't fear. It was this peace. You know, sale, no sale, promotion, no promotion, job, no job. Do Should I change jobs? Stay here. You know, knowing that God is ultimately in control of the results just brings a huge relief. However... As I continued on this journey, um, what's just as important was a lesson uh, learning that the results God is most concerned with is a changed heart. So it might be that he wants to teach me some lesson or discipline like perseverance or patience or how to be a good steward with just a little money or a lot of money. Um, God cares about the results of the changes the Holy Spirit has on the heart. Now these things affect my motives, my attitudes, my words. But I realized that material possessions, closed deals, comforts, they're all okay. But they're not God's primary objective since he knows they're not long-lasting and satisfying. So I realized that the more I got to know God and the Holy Spirit changes my heart, I become more confident in making decisions and trusting in God with the results. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. So it wasn't until actually last November that I developed the daily discipline of you know, getting up in the morning, being with God, and in a few weeks I'll finished reading through the whole Bible for the whole t- first time in my life. Um, and this is after 31 years of professing to be a follower of Christ. Um, but now it's clear to me that if my motive is to know God in, uh, intimately and live it out moment by moment, 
And I go back to my motive is to know God intimately, not to a duty of reading the Bible every day. And I'm going to live it out moment by moment. This discipline and meeting with him every day was the most important thing I'd been missing all along. So there's two key things I found at the root of my original question, how to have peace and trust God 100% moment by moment. Number one, I can only trust God to the extent I know him, which I only know how to do by spending the first hour of my day reading my Bible, listening to him, praying, and writing, journaling, and notebook. But number two is I need to apply that very day and the days ahead what I know about God in my everyday life. So as I'm, just to conclude here, as I'm going through the day-to-day trials of life, I hope I will remember that God is ultimately concerned about the greater purpose in the life of drawing people into a close relationship with him. And I, I don't know of a better example than Joseph. His own brothers sell him into slavery, and he says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Thanks. Thank you, Warren. Thank you, Warren. And we'll pray for you and Erica as tomorrow you move from a family of four to a family of five, I think, right? So, amen. Just don't drink the water around here. You just, everybody lands up pregnant. So, you know, just <laughs> want you to stay away. We think it's in the communion, but we don't know that for sure. <laughs> you know, um, I wondered after last week's sermon if some people went home and, and, and part of the dialogue that they had with themselves and with God was, you know, yeah, I understand that if all Scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching and for correction and reproof and training in righteousness, and if I understand that the Word of God is, is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and that part of what that means is that, not God, that God has not only spoken His Word, but that God is also speaking His Word to us. It's current. It's fresh. That when we read the Word of God, it's literally like listening to God speak it for the very first time that a lot of people said, that's not my experience. You know, I get out, I get my Bible out, you know, I put it down, say, all right, God and I are going to have a conversation, and we, and we start reading, nothing. I'm getting nothing. I must be on the wrong page, you know? And we're reading, and we, and we get nothing. We say, I don't understand this, let alone, let alone am I not hearing anything. And, and we ask, well, what's our problem? Why don't we really hear from God? I mean, if God has said that His Word is living and active. It's current. He's speaking through it. It's God-breathed. It has a life-giving ability within it. Why aren't we hearing from it? Why aren't, you know, what, what's our problem, if you will? And we, and we go, kind of go through our checklist. We said, well, you know, we know that, you know, Scripture says, you know, my sheep hear my voice and follow me. So what, am, I, am I really one of Jesus' sheep? And we say, well, you know, I remember back when I was, you know, 14, and I went to that youth conference, and, and they gave a, an invitation, a time when people could acknowledge that they wanted to invite Christ into their life as Savior and Lord. And, and I remember standing up, and I remember telling my youth group that, that I have accepted Christ as my Savior and Lord, and I, I followed up by that by being baptized. And so I, I know I'm one of Jesus' sheep, but I'm, but I'm not hearing anything from Him. Why is that? What's wrong? Maybe it's God's problem. Maybe God doesn't speak that way. Well, it's not God's problem. And I want to try to address that issue in my message today. Why is it that those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ, at least we have an experience in our lives where we've acknowledged the right of God to be our God. We've acknowledged our need for God to be forgiven by 
what Christ did on the cross, the shedding of blood for the forgiveness of sins, and we've placed our lives into the hands of God, and we say, I want to live by faith, and yet somehow or another we find ourselves in this, this issue of, of not being able to hear from God. And I've, I've gathered up my thoughts today underneath what I have labeled as spiritual acoustics. What does it take to really be able to hear from God? What does it take for, on our end, to create an environment where we can hear from God? And, and I want to use two passages of Scripture, one from the book of James and one from 1 Peter. They're very close together in your Bibles. If you're using one of our pew Bibles, you're going to find our text on page 1025. That's the James passage. And just a couple pages backwards in your book, you'll find the, 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 the First Peter passage. These guys write out of a similar heart with a similar purpose. James, who in all likelihood was the half-brother of Jesus, who was a leader of the Jerusalem church, not James the son of Zebedee, but James the half-brother of Jesus, who had, who had, if you will, a primary responsibility for the care of the Jewish Christians. He wrote a letter to the Jewish Christians spread kind of throughout the world, if you will, and he was writing them with a common theme of, of this is what it takes to stay vital, to stay spiritually alive in your walk with God. And he was trying to address these issues from lots of different pl- angles, but what does it really take to walk in a, in a living, powerful way with God? The other side, when you get to First Peter, he was writing to a group of believers that he had had an influence on who were scattered in a part of the Roman Empire that was about ready to be persecuted. And he was writing to, to, if you will, to encourage them, to stabilize them in their faith so they'd be ready for the trials that were ahead. And with that, they could be victorious in their relationship with Christ. And both of these guys spoke about the importance of the Word of God in that journey. And so I want to read these for us and, and from them try to lift out some of the, the factors that determine the spiritual acoustics of our lives. It doesn't have to do with sound waves and reverberation and decibels and angles of walls and all those kinds of things. It, it has to do with the way we orient our hearts towards God. And I want to start in James chapter 1 with the 21st verse and read down to verse 25. Again, this is on page 1025 in your pew Bibles. Hear the word of the Lord. Hear God speaking. He says, Therefore, rid yourselves of all moral filth, in evil excess, humbly receive the implanted word, which is able to save you. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man looking at his own face in a mirror, and for he looks at himself and he goes away, and right away he forgets what kind of man he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who acts, this person will be blessed in what he does. Over in First Peter chapter 2, let's get this text out before us as well. Just the first few verses of chapter 2. Peter had been writing some challenges, some foundational challenges to the believers, and he had just got done telling them that they had been born anew by the gospel that was preached to them, by the word that was preached to them. And he he goes on to write, he says, So rid yourselves of all wickedness, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, desire the unadulterated spiritual milk, so that you may grow by it in your salvation, since you have tasted that the Lord is good. 
May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. When I look at these two texts, I see three dynamics or three factors that really are at the core of our ability to hear from God. We have this word that's alive, it's speaking to us. We have a, a heart we have to hear God's voice because we're one of his sheep by our relationship with Christ. And, and there are three factors, I think, that really determine, determine the, the dynamics of the spiritual acoustic of our lives. And the first thing that just jumps out to me is your interest level in the Word of God. You notice a couple of the terms in here? You know, in, 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 in 1 Peter chapter 2, he says, he says, like newborn babes, long for the pure, unadulterated milk of the Word. In James, he talks about looking intently. This isn't just a casual reading, but it's a, it's a breaking apart. It's meditating on it. So all, it's just looking intently into the Word of God. Where many of us come up short and why we don't hear from God from His words because we're just not interested enough in it. I mean, you think about it. Here is the... And I'm deviating from my notes just a little bit. Think about it. The supreme being of the universe is ready to open up His most intimate secrets secrets to you and he's going to do it just because for a fleeting moment you have an interest give me a break you know i mean long for it as the newborn baby longs for the pure unadulterated word of god I, I gotta tell you it is amazing how loud a baby can be when they're when they're hungry i remember our two boys you know I mean, you know, I, I said in the first service, it seemed to me that when they were two years old, man, they could already poop like sailors and they could scream when they were hungry. And one of our guys came up to me afterwards. He said, he's, he's in the Navy, you know, so he said, you know, the, the Navy, sailors, they cuss and they curse, you know, and, 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 and they drink a lot. He said, it's the Air Force guys who poop a lot. That's what he told me. So well, that's all I can tell you. You know, but, but, you know, when they are hungry at two o'clock in the morning, they can wake up a neighborhood, not just a household. I mean, I don't know how well you're kept, but they can scream. I mean, one of the worst fights that Christina and I ever had, we were on our way back from her parents' house in Marlboro, and Joshua was still just an infant. And he was in the back seat in his car seat. You know, he's facing backwards, all the safety stuff or whatever. And we're out on 128, I guess it's I-95. We're, we're coming into the Braintree area where we would veer off on Route 3 to head down to our home in Rockland. And, and, and Joshua is screaming. Bloody burger in the back seat. We were driving a Ford Tempo, you know, a little four-door sedan, and it was like a Chinese torture chamber in there. You know, I, I remember one time when we were building a church building down at Hanover, the fire alarm went off before we had any of the carpets and stuff in, and it was so loud. All you wanted to do was just run for the door because it was just like a, it just killing your ears. And this was just like that. He was just screaming, and his face was red, and his veins were bursting on his neck. And I thought the kid was going to have an aneurysm and die. You know, we never have to feed him again. So I'm saying to Christina, pick the kid up, feed him. Pick him up, feed him. And she's like, I'm not getting him out of the seat while we're still moving. I said, pick him up. He's like, Ugh. and we're just going back and forth. You know? But he was just so loud because you know, he's hungry. How hungry are we for the word of God? And should this incredible being who speaks worlds into existence open up his treasure chest of knowledge just because for a couple of minutes you've got a little interest in the word of God? You see, Peter tells us that we ought to latch on to this word like a child does to its mother's breast, so we can grow in respect to salvation. That's the role of God's Word in our lives. And we ought to have such a craving, such an urging for it, 
I know often I think we come to the Word of God a lot like though the Jewish leaders. We come just seeking a sign from God. We really aren't looking for a word from God. And God doesn't speak. But beyond your interest level, I think there's another factor that enters into the spiritual acoustics of your life. And that's your response rate. How do you respond to the Word of God? It's interesting, that seems to be the entire focus of James. He's writing to these Jewish Christians who are spread out throughout the the Roman Empire. And he's telling them, be doers of the Word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourself. Because if if you're just a hearer of the Word and you're not a doer, you're like a guy who looks in the mirror in the morning and the hair's sticking up like this and you're unshaven and you got bad breath and all that kind of stuff and you just turn around and you say, you know, I'm looking good today. That's what you like. He says, if you're, if, you're, if you're in the Word of God, you can't be just a hearer. You've got to be a, a doer. You have to be somebody. The Word of God is always designed to produce something in us. It's not there just for our curiosity. It's not there just for some simple... It's always designed to produce fruit within us. It's either a conviction or a truth that we've come to hold... It's a character that's formed within us. Or it's a deed that we do in relationship to God's creation and to our fellow man. But God's Word is always designed to produce something in us, for something to be done. It's not the source of our salvation, but it is the result of our salvation. And if we just look into the Word of God and just kind of walk away from it, we're like a fool who looks in a mirror sees what needs to be straightened up to be presentable for the day and walk away and just totally forget about it. There's probably a lot of areas where we struggle with our response rates. But let me, let me just kind of lift up a couple for you to kind of ponder. One of those, I, I think, where we struggle in our response rate with God is that we come to God interested in what we want Him to tell us, not so much in what He's actually saying to us. You noticed if you just kind of read between the lines of Warren's testimony. So he was going to God saying, show me how to live my life with 100% confidence in you, and I can still be at peace. And what did God show him? He said, just get to know me better, and it'll all be all right. And we often go to God's Word with an agenda. This is what I want God to say. Should I take this new job or not? We're not really interested in who we are as we do the job. We just want God to tell us, should we take that job or not? Or maybe we have a difficult boss or somebody difficult in our lives and we're asking God, how do I get victory over this person? But we're really not interested in God speaking to us about forgiving 70 times 7, those who have hurt us in our lives. Or I could be interested in the Word of God and like, what, what does the Bible have to say about how Christina can be a better wife to me? And not so interested in how the Word teaches me to love my wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. And, and we come with this agenda. We have an interest, but it's a selective interest. And we only want a certain kind of word, and we want to shed the rest of it. We may have said, well, how, how do I know if I'm really in love with this person, but I don't really want God to speak to me about my sexual purity while I'm in that relationship with that person. And we struggle with those kinds of things, and, and, that's a, and, and it just kills the acoustics of our response rate to word of God. Maybe a general way to put all of that is we're interested in how God can bless us. But we're not necessarily how interested in how God can make us a blessing in the lives of other people. And our response rate is all out of whack. And then I think in another vein, is we really struggle with authority issues when it comes to our response rate to the Word of God. 
You notice here in verse 21 in James, he said, humbly receive the word implanted in you. That's not so easy for us. Because in our heart of hearts, when we get to that place where we're really kind of figure out, we're really talking to the real us. Not the Sunday school answers, not the ones we get. But when we're really, we have a hard time with anybody telling us what to do with our lives. Whether it's our spouse or our children or our parents or our teachers or our bosses or our God. We don't want anybody telling us what to be doing. And so we have these authority issues with God. Well, what right do you have to tell me that I can and cannot do that? It's my body, I can do with it what I want. There are my values, I can believe what I want. It's my money, I can spend it how I want. It's my faith, I can keep it or give it. It's up to me. We don't want God speaking to us about those things. We have an authority issue with the Word of God. We don't hear because we don't want to listen because we don't want anybody telling us what to do with our lives. But beyond our interest level and beyond our response rate to the Word of God, I think there's one more factor that enters into our ability for the Word of God to speak to us, for us to hear what God's saying. And I've put this in quotation marks because I I think it's, you know, there is an environment in our lives that creates a place where we can hear God speaking to us. And what is the, in in our, the, the dynamics of our environment has a lot to say whether or not we can hear from God. Let me, let me try to explain to you what I mean. I found it fascinating in both of these texts. In places where God was speaking through his apostles and writing to believers so that he could keep speaking for generations, that in a context where he was talking about us being in love with the Word of God, listening to the Word of God, responding to the Word of God, being shaped and transformed by the Word of God, hearing God speak through the Word of God. All He starts out, in both cases, with ridding ourselves of sin so that we can hear. Just listen again, James 1, James 21. It says, Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and evil access, humbly receive the implanted Word, which is able to save you. Peter's even more specific. And, and I think... We, we see great insight into his, his challenge in verse 1. He says, So rid yourselves of all wickedness, all deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, all slander. And then, like newborn babes, desire the unadulterated spiritual milk of the Word. And the reason there's such an, an attention in Peter's part to the sins that disrupt relationships is because in the days that he was writing, the only place where people got to hear the Word of God was at church. They didn't have Bibles they could stack up on their coffee tables, but there were a few precious rolls of Holy Scripture that they kept at the church facility, at wherever they met. And when they gathered together, the Word was read. And, and what kind of an environment is it? If when you're looking around saying, you know, this person just deceived me, and this one here is a hypocrite, and this one just attacked me and slandered me, and who's going to be listening to the Word of God? She says, get all the clutter noise out of the place where you hear from me, so that you can hear what I'm saying to you. Sin, no matter how we try to to explain it away, sin always deafens our ability to hear God. It's like this wax that just grows in our spiritual ears, and, and there's no hearing aid that can overcome that. Sin always deafens us. When our youngest biological son was, was little, he used to get ear infections all the time. And so, you know, at 14 months old, we had to have tubes put in. 
But you know how it is when kids are little. They love the water. You know, we'd go visit my parents in Florida. It'd be 58 degrees out, and they both wanted to go swimming, you know. And so the only way that he could go swimming without getting an ear infection was, you know, he, he probably still carries the psychological scars from this. But we'd get this, this wax stuff that you could get at CVS that you put in their ears. You know, so we'd get these big balls of stuff, and it'd be sticking out all around the edges of his ears. And then we'd put this bathing cap on him. You know, you know, and strapping on so it couldn't give him. And, and then he would just have a blast in the water, but when he, was, he couldn't hear us. His ears were just plugged up with all this stuff, and he couldn't hear anything. You know, he was having a blast, but he couldn't hear anything. You know, that's what sin does to us. It just clogs up our spiritual ears. It deafens our ability to hear from God. It's like, it's like going to a good movie and, and the five people sitting behind you are just carrying on this dialogue the whole time. And you're trying to listen to the movie and they just keep talking. And, and, and you get distracted and you can't hear half of what's going on. Because sin just creates all this clutter noise. I remember when this facility was, we were moving towards completion and the walls were all painted, etc. We were just getting ready for the carpet to go in. And one of the last things we had to do was to put up the trims. And so, you know... The room was empty, but there's no carpet, no chairs, there's no acoustical panels. And, and we just had like one set of staging still built so we could put in the trims on the lights. And, and I was in here having a conversation with Jim and Sandra Cole. It was great to have them worshiping with us again today, visiting. And, and there were a couple of other groups in the sanctuary, and you couldn't hear anything because the sound was just going everywhere. And it was just, you know, it was almost like you had to walk right up next to them and got to go like this to be able to hear. When, when we let all these other voices scream in our ears and all this clutter that takes place in our lives all this audio from our world we can't hear from god so what's your environment like as you listen to god if you're not hearing from god the way you'd like to check your interest level how hungry are you check your response rate what are you doing with what you already know to be true in the eyes of god and take a look at your environment. Is the sin in your life drowning out all that God's trying to say? A great promise associated with improving the spiritual acoustic of our lives comes in verse 25. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it, in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer acts, this person will be blessed in all they do. Let's pray together. God, when we get over the shock of the fact that the creator of the universe wants to talk to us, grow our appetite, sharpen our focus, and heighten our listening skills to hear what you're saying. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.